Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories with your host, Ryan Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring work day. Hello, friends and enemies. C.K. Dexter Haven, I would like to talk to you. Well, let's go in the talking room. I want them out, and you too. Yes, yes, Your Majesty, but first, could I interest you in some small blackmail? Oh, you want to get even with your ex-bride, huh? It's an article. Complete the snapshots, details, and insinuations. And it's ready for publication in Spy. And it's about your father and that dancer in New York. You're lying, Dexter. I can always tell. You are a mess of intuition. Well, Mother, we're hooked. Are they really reporters? Not even friends of Junius's? They aren't anybody's friends. But we're to pretend they are. We all rode into this thing on a filthy blackmail. I can tell there's something in the air because I'm being taken away. Kittridge is no great tower of strength, you know, Tracy. He's just a tower. Heaven brought them together, I imagine. Doggone it, C.K. Dexter Haven. Either I'm gonna sock you or you're gonna sock me. Shall we toss a coin? Hey there, it's Brian Davis, and for this week's episode, we're going to talk about the movie The Philadelphia Story from 1940. Now, the studio was MGM. The release date was December 26, 1940. The running time is 112 minutes, and it was in black and white. The budget was $914,000, and the box office took in $3.3 million. Now, classic totals of box office gross is sort of tricky, but it's also considered one of the most successful films of 1941 since it came out late in 1940. Leonard Maltin from his classic movie guide gives it four out of four stars. His quick little synopsis is, talky but brilliant adaptation of Philip Berry's hit Broadway comedy about a society girl who yearns for a down-to-earth romance. Cary Grant as her ex-husband, James Stewart, is a fast-talking reporter who falls in love with her. The entire cast is excellent, but Stewart really shines in his offbeat Academy Award-winning role. Donald Ogden Stewart's script also earned an Oscar. It was later musicalized as High Society. Rotten Tomatoes actually gives it 100% fresh from 60 reviews. The critics' consensus is... Offering a wonderfully witty script, spotless direction from George Kukar, and a typically excellent lead performances, The Philadelphia Story is an unqualified classic. So I probably originally saw this as a kid on AMC when the station would actually play classic films back in the day. And this was before TCM and before Turner Classic Movies became popular to the masses. However, it wasn't until I saw uh, The Philadelphia Story at the wonderful Stanford Theater in Palo Alto, California, that I really truly came to love this film and seeing many a classic film at the Stanford Theater is a great way to experience films in the San Francisco Bay Area. It's similar to what moviegoers back in the 30s and the 40s kind of came to enjoy. It's that sort of theater atmosphere. It's very vast seating and, and there's a balcony and they have an organ player that plays during intermissions and really I highly recommend if you visit the San Francisco Bay Area or Silicon Valley and you're a movie buff definitely check out the Stanford Theater. Let's get into the main cast. So, Cary Grant plays Dexter, and at this point, Grant's star power was in full swing. He already starred in films like Topper and The Awful Truth and Bringing Up Baby. Uh, he was in Holiday with Katherine Hepburn as well, and Gunga Din, His Girl Friday, and My Favorite Wife. Grant would continue to be a major star for the rest of his career, but most notably for his roles in Hitchcock movies, though some historians would claim the late 1930s and early 40s were his peak performance years. 
Catherine Hepburn plays Tracy, and though Hepburn, uh, it's kind of ironic, I just realized her name's Tracy, and she ended up marrying Spencer, or was, uh, I don't know, did they end up getting married? I'm talking to myself, like I'm going to answer myself, but I believe they were partners for many years, so Spencer Tracy was her longtime partner. And uh, so even though she was like a well-respected actress prior to the Philadelphia story, she was infamously labeled as box office poison because she would always earn high praise from the critics, but her films to this point wouldn't necessarily translate into high ticket sales. However, she did star in many movies in the mid-1930s, and I really enjoy Stage Door and Bringing Up Baby and Holiday. But the success of the Philadelphia story kind of removed the box office poison tag. And then from there on, she was always considered one of the top actresses of her generation. James Stewart plays Mike, and Stewart was starting to follow a similar career path as Cary Grant, but he wasn't quite the, the star that Grant was at this point. However, he did star in a few popular films leading up to the Philadelphia story uh, at, with two Frank Capper films, You Can't Take It With You, which is great, and of course, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, which is equally great. Uh, also, other two other well-known films that he did prior to this, Destry Rides Again and The Shop Around the Corner, which was famously remade as You've Got Mail. The director was George Kukar, and Kukar set his mark in Hollywood in the 1930s, often known as a great director for actresses, which meant he was he seemed to get hit the best performances from his leading ladies at the time. Some of his well-known films include Dinner at Eight, Little Women from 1933, and then The Women, which is famous for being one of the only films with an entirely female cast. Kukar is also famous for being part of The Wizard of Oz and Gone with the Wind and adding key direction to both films, but he was let go from Gone with the Wind due to his slow pace of filming. So let's get into a little bit about the making of the film. So the screenplay is an adaptation of the Broadway play written by Philip Barry. Barry also wrote the play to Holiday, which was also adapted to film, and as I said before, starred Cary Grant and Katharine Hepburn. Hepburn originally starred in the Broadway version of the Philadelphia Stories and believed this would be the film to kind of remove the whole stigma of not being successful box office wise. She received the rights uh, to the play from Howard Hughes because they were an item at one point and he bought the rights for her. So in a shrewd business move, Hepburn actually offered the rights of the film to MGM for only $250,000, but in return, she could have veto power about who was cast in the film, along with the director, producer, and screenwriter choices, similar to what Sylvester Stallone did with the original Rocky. He wouldn't sell the film uh, and in turn decided to work for scale so that he could star in his own film. So Catherine Hepburn's original choices were to have Clark Gable and Spencer Tracy as the two male leads, but both were unavailable for the film. But as it turns out, Gable would have likely passed because he didn't get along with George Cukar during the initial filming of Gone with the Wind. Supposedly, Spencer Tracy turned down the James Stewart role because he was eager to make Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde at the time. So let's get into the movie. Uh, the film starts with Cary Grant leaving the house in a huff with Katherine Hepburn following him, and she has his golf clubs and his bag. She tosses the bag at him and then takes a club and breaks it over her knee. And if you didn't know, Hepburn was quite the athlete. Just see the movie Pat and Mike for even more examples of her athletic skills. In any case, we see something that probably wouldn't fly today in today's movies, and that is Grant comes back and pushes Hepburn back inside the house, and even Hepburn gives a look like, well, well, I guess I shouldn't have broken his clubs. 
So we can only assume that this was a lasting breakup and a divorce because then you get the timeline cuts to two years later and we see a news clipping. Hepburn is going to remarry to a man named George Kitteridge, played by John Howard. And back in the day, this is, well, and still now today, this is where socialites get this sort of press in the newspapers and whatnot. One of the great side characters in this movie is Tracy's younger sister, Dinah, played by Virginia Wielder. Oh, you. 1937 film version of Topper. So George, John Howard, would be the socialite version of a complete dork, though he thinks he's not, and he's considered a man of the people. James Stewart plays a reporter for Spy Magazine, which is essentially a tabloid rag. Stewart is assigned to write a story about Hepburn's wedding. 
He's less than thrilled about this assignment, but his partner and photographer Liz, played by Ruth Hussey, is eager for the story. As it turns out, Grant actually works for Spy for their South American team and agrees to help Stuart and Hussey get into the wedding festivities, essentially because he wants to get revenge on Hepburn for the divorce. So Hepburn is less than thrilled that Grant shows up to attend her wedding. So though Dinah and even her mom is happy he's there since they never really wanted them to split up to begin with, Grant seems to be taking great enjoyment in Hepburn's anger of, of him being there. He even has a great smug demeanor that you're, you know, you're still always rooting for him. The same goes with Stuart. Even when he tries to be a jerk, you still like him. So the back and forth between Grant and Stuart are second to none. Even little things like their body language and their facial expressions are brilliant. But again, Dinah is hilarious, and when she's on screen, and she's trying to make an impression on the reporters. Ah, how do you do? Friends of my brother Junius, are you not? Oh, I, we, I, I am I, Dinah Lord. My real name is Diana, but my sister changed it. I'm Elizabeth Embry. This is Macaulay Connor. Oh, chante de beauvoir. Oh, chante de faire votre connaissance. I spoke French before I spoke English. My early childhood was spent in Paris, where my father worked in a bank. The House of Morgan. Really? C'est vrai, absolument. Can you play the piano? I can, and sing at the same time. Listen. Lydia, oh Lydia, say, have you met Lydia? Oh Lydia, the dead lady. She has eyes that folks adore, so and the torso even more. So Lydia, what is oh, this? Lydia, that encyclopedia. Lydia, Lydia, the queen of tattoos. On her back. J'espère bien que ce n'est pas le smallpox. Le smallpox? Mais oui, va dire à maman de se dépêcher. Oh, how do you do? I'm Tracy Lord. It's so nice having you here. Because Hepburn's father is out of the picture, in order to keep up appearances, she gets Uncle Willie to act as her father. Hello, friends and enemies. Young man, remove yourself. How are you, sir? I don't know. Get along. Get along. <laughs> Darling, I changed my mind. I will stay for lunch. Another place, Edward. Yes, Hello, Kittredge. How are you, Haven? Just Damon and Pythias. Uh, no, Grant and Lee. You don't look as well as when I last saw you, Kittredge. Oh, you poor fellow. I know just how you feel. How's it coming? Oh, beautifully, Dexter. We're so indebted to you for these lovely people. It's almost impossible to repay that debt. But you'll manage, eh, Red? <laughs> they grew up together, you know. How nice. Oh, you don't look old enough to get married. Not even the first time, then. You never did. She needs trouble to mature her, Kittredge. Give her lots of it. I'm afraid she can't count on me for that. No, that's too bad. Sometimes for your own sake, Red, I think you should have stuck to me longer. I thought it was for life, but the nice judge gave me a full pardon. Ah, that's the old redhead. No bitterness, no recrimination. Just a good swift left to the jaw. <laughs> so this all backfires when her actual father, John Halliday, does show up, and he has to act like Uncle Willie. But this is all part of the fun, and it does add a tiny bit of screwball comedy to the film. 
As great as Grant and Stewart are, Hepburn is the glue that keeps the whole movie together. Hepburn always had the ability to play tough and sweet without it ever coming off as forced, like this scene with Stewart at her local public library. Look, I know this is a public library, but I would... Hello. Hello. What, couldn't you afford to buy my book? The bookstore didn't have one. Well, are you sure you're doing the right thing? You know what happens to girls like you when they read books like mine. They begin to think that's bad. These stories are beautiful. Why, Connor, they're almost poetry. Well, don't kid yourself, they are. I can't make you out at all now. Really? I thought I was easy. So did I. But you're not. You... You talk so big and tough and... Then you write like this. Which is which? Both, I guess. No. No, I... I believe you put the toughness on to save your skin. Well, you think so? I know a little about that. Do you? Quite a lot. Shh. Shh. Look, let's get out of here. So Hepburn is starting to cozy up to Stewart, but we're not sure if it is to keep Grant away or if it's genuine. It doesn't matter because when the three together, it's brilliant. And the, But the back and forth between Grant and Hepburn shines on this next clip. Hello. Fancy seeing you here. Orange juice? Certainly. Don't tell me you've forsaken your beloved whiskey and whiskies. No, 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 no. I just changed their color, that's all. I'm going for the pale pastel shades now. They're more becoming to me. How about you, Mr. Connor? You drink, don't you? Alcohol, I mean. Oh, a little. A, li a little? And you a writer? I thought all writers drank to excess and beat their wives. You know, at one time I think I secretly wanted to be a writer. Dexter, would you mind doing something for me? Anything, what? Get the heck out of here. Oh, my dear Red, I couldn't do that. That wouldn't be fair to you. You need me too much. Would you mind telling me just what it is you're hanging around for? Oh, no, no, no. Please don't go, Mr. Connor. Oh, no, no. Please don't go, Mr. Connor. As a writer, this ought to be right up your street. Don't miss a word. I never saw you looking better, Red. You're getting that fine, tawny look. Oh, we're going to talk about me, are we? Goody. It's astonishing what money can do for people. Don't you agree, Mr. Connor? Not too much, you know. Just more than enough. Now, take Tracy, for example. There's never a blow that hasn't been softened for her. Never a blow that won't be softened. As a matter of fact, it even changed her shape. She was a dumpy little thing at one time. Only as it happens, I'm not interested in myself for the moment. Not interested in yourself? You're fascinated, Red. You're far and away your favorite person in the world. Dexter, in case you don't of know... Of course, it... Mr. Connor. She's a girl who's generous to a fault. To a fault, Mr. Connor? Uh, except to other people's faults. For instance, she never had any understanding of my deep and gorgeous thirst. That was your problem. Granted. But you took on that problem with me when you took me, Red. You were no helpmate there. You were a scold. It was disgusting. It made you so unattractive. Mm, a weakness, sure. And strength is her religion, Mr. Connor. She finds human imperfection unforgivable. When I gradually discovered that my relationship to her was supposed to be not that of a loving husband and a good companion, but... Oh, never mind. Say it. But that of a kind of high priest to a virgin goddess. Then my drinks grew deeper and more frequent, that's all. I never considered you as that, nor myself. You did without knowing it. Kittredge is no great tower of strength, you know, Tracy. He's just a tower. You hardly know him. And I hardly know him as to know him well. 
And perhaps it offends my vanity to have anyone who was even remotely my wife remarry so obviously beneath her. How dare you, any of you, in this day and age, you such an idiotic... I'm talking about the difference in mind and spirit. You could marry Mac, the night watchman. I'd cheer for you. Kittridge is not for you. You bet he's for me. He's a great man and a good man. Already he's of national importance. Oh, you sound like spy magazine talking. But whatever he is, Tuts, you'll have to stick. He'll give you no out as I did. I won't require one. I suppose you'd still be attractive to any man of spirit, though. There's something engaging about it, this goddess business. Something more challenging to the male than the uh, more obvious charms. Really? Really. We're very vain, you know. This citadel can and shall be taken, and I'm the boy to do it. You seem quite contemptuous of me all of a sudden. No, Red. None of you. Never of you. Red, you could be the finest woman on this earth. I'm contemptuous of something inside of you. You either can't help or make no attempt to. Your so-called strength, your prejudice against weakness, your blank intolerance. Is that all? That's the gist of it. Because you'll never be a first-class human being or a first-class woman until you've learned to have some regard for human frailty. It's a pity your own foot can't slip a little sometime. But your sense of inner divinity wouldn't allow that. This goddess must and shall remain intact. There are more of you than people realize. A special class of the American female. The married maidens. So help me, Dexter. If you say another word, I'm I'll... through, Red. For the moment, I've had my say. Well, I, I suppose I should object to this, Tucson. That would be most objectionable. Well, any time either of you want my advice. We'll give you a ring, Haven. Thanks. Do that, will you? You can sort of see the reappearance of Grant has stirred up feelings for Hepburn, and George doesn't seem as appealing. So, he's not a bad guy, this this new George guy, but he's boring, and he almost comes off as desperate, but the viewer can't help but root for Hepburn and Grant to get back together. Oh, George. To get away. Somehow to be useful in the world. Useful? You, Tracy? Well, I'm going to build you an ivory tower with my own two hands. Like fun you are. You, you mean you've been in one too long? Well, I mean that and a lot of things. I, uh... You know, we're going to represent something, Tracy. You and I and our home. Something straight and sound and fine. Then perhaps your friend, Mr. Haven, will be somewhat less condescending. George, you, you don't really mind him, do you? I mean, the fact of him. Fact of him? What do you mean? Well, I mean, well, you know, that, that he ever was my lord and master, that we ever were... I don't believe he ever was, Tracy. Not really. I don't believe that anyone ever was or, or ever will be. That's the wonderful thing about you, Tracy. What? Oh. Well, you, you're like some marvelous, distant, well, queen, I guess. You're so cool and fine and, and always so much your own. There's a kind of beautiful purity about you, Tracy, like, like a statue. George. Oh, it's grand, Tracy. It's what everybody feels about you. It's what I first worshipped you for from afar. George, listen. First, now, and always. Only from a little nearer now. Hey, darling? I... I don't want to be worshipped, I... 
Want to be loved. Well, you're that too, Tracy. Oh, you're that all right. I mean, really loved. But that goes without saying, Tracy. No. No, now it's you who doesn't see what I mean. I... Well, I better get dressed here. I hate to be late. As the story goes, we kind of get a little bit of a backstory that Hepburn sort of loathes her father because he was off chasing other women. And this is likely the reason she is strong-willed in personality and won't tolerate foolish men and conform to what a wife should be back in this era. She won't shut up and smile. She's not that sort of person. So if she sees something that she doesn't like, she'll call it out. Both Hepburn and Stewart decided to get drunk for the pre-wedding party, and this is a fun scene between the two. Macaulay Connor of South Bend reporting for duty. I'm sorry, Connor. We're going home after this dance. Oh, now, you can't do that to me. Not a friend of old Junior's. I mean, not a fr old friend of Junior's. I wish old Junior's were here. Tracy, I'll get your wraps. You wrap me up. Hello, you. Hello. Hey, you look fine. I feel fine. Good, good. Oh, well, what was I saying? Oh, let's have another drink. Or would Kittredge spank? That's not what you were saying. It isn't. You All right. Oh, oh, I know. Why do you wish your brother was here? Does he like Kittredge? Everybody likes Kittredge. Everybody likes Kittredge. Every, everybody except C.K. Dexter Haven, huh? Come on, Connor. We'll have some wine. We'll have some wine. Mother! I thought you'd gone home ages ago. I know I should have, but I've been having such a good time. Everybody should have a good time. Darling, what's come over you? Oh, it's just that a lot of things I always thought were terribly important. I find now, uh, and the other way around, and oh, what the dickens. <laughs> Connor, you're thirsty, and the night is young. Here we are, dear. We're going to have just one, one more drink before we not go to... Not you, I'm afraid, dear. Why should you be afraid, George? You know wine never affects me, not in the slightest. Now, look here, What she... he really wants, George, is another dance with you. Oh, very well. Well, look, George, if it's that much of a chore... Not just for me! Oh, no, you don't, Connie. You've been too attentive as it is. Jo George, please. What will the neighbors think? And then Stuart heads back to the house and wakes up Cary Grant. Oh, I wonder if I might borrow a drink. Certainly. Coles to Newcastle. Excuse me. Hmm? What's this? What's it, my book? Yes. Sick here, Dexter Haven. You have unsuspected depth. Oh, thanks, old chap. But have you read it? Well, I, I was trying to stop drinking. I read anything. And did you stop drink drinking? Yes. Your book didn't do it, though. Are you still in love with her? Or perhaps you consider that a very personal question. Not at all. Liz thinks you are. Liz thinks you are. But of course women like to romanticize about things. Yes, they do, don't they? Yes, they do, don't they? I don't know. I, I can't understand how you can have been married to her and still know so little about her. Can't you? No, I can't you. <laughs> I have the hiccups. I wonder if I might have another drink. Certainly. You know, Tracy's no ordinary woman. And you said some things to her this afternoon I resented. Well, I apologize, Mr. Connor. That's quite all right, quite all right. But when a girl is like Tracy, she's one in a million. She's, 
She's sort of like a... She's sort of like a... A goddess? No, 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 no. You said that word this afternoon. No. No, she's... She's sort of like a queen. A radiant, glorious queen. And you can't treat her like other women. No, I suppose not. The reason Grant is involved with this article is because the main publisher has dirt on Hepburn's father, likely about his philandering. Grant tells Stewart this, and the two decide to work together against the publisher. So after a short drive, well, drunk driving didn't seem to be a big deal back in the day, Stewart and Hepburn have a few more drinks post-party. Did you enjoy the party? Sure, sure. The prettiest sight in this fine, pretty world is the privileged class enjoying its privileges. You're a snob, Connor. No doubt, no doubt. A wash with champagne was Will Q. Tracy's pleasure dome on the nuptial eve of Tracy Samantha. Tracy, we. Tracy Samantha. Tracy. You can't marry that guy. George. I'm going to. Why, why not? Well, I don't know. I thought I'd be for it at first, but you just don't seem to match up. Then the fool's with me. Well, maybe so, but all the same, now, you can't do it. No? No. Come around about noon tomorrow. I mean today. Snob. Say, what do you mean, snob? You're the worst kind there is, an intellectual snob. You made up your mind awfully young, it seems to me. Well, 30's about time to make up your mind. And I'm nothing of the sort, not Mr. Connor. The time to make up your mind about people is never. <laughs> yes, you are. And a complete one. You're quite a girl, aren't you? You think? Yeah, I know. Thank you, Professor. I don't think I'm exceptional. Uh, you are, then. I know any number like me. You ought to get around more. In the upper class? No, 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 thank you. You're just a mass of prejudices, aren't you? You're so much thought and so little feeling, Professor. Oh, I am, am I? Yes, you am, are you? Your intolerance infuriates me. I should think that of all people, a writer would need tolerance. The fact is, you'll never, you can't be a... First-rate writer or a first-rate human being until you've learned to have some small regard for human fra... Aren't the geraniums pretty, Professor? Is it not a handsome day that begins, Professor? All right, lay off that professor. Yes, Professor. Now you've got all the arrogance of your class, all right, haven't you? Oh... What have classes to do with it? What do they matter except for the people in them? George comes from the so-called lower class, Dexter from the upper. Well, well, Mac the Night Watchman is a prince among men, Uncle Willie is a pincher. Upper and lower, my eye. I'll take the lower, thanks. If you can't get a drawing room. What do you mean by that? My mistake. Decidedly, you're insulting. I'm sorry. Oh, don't apologize. Well, who's apologizing? I never knew such a man. You wouldn't be likely to, dear, not from where you sit. Talk about arrogance. Tracy. What do you want? You're wonderful. <laughs> There's a magnificence in you, Tracy. Now, I'm getting self-conscious. It's funny, I... 
night. That's... Yeah? I don't know. Go up, I guess. It's late. The magnificence that comes out of your eyes and your voice and the way you stand there and the way you walk. You're lit from within, Tracy. You've got fires banked down in you. Hearth fires and holocausts. I don't seem to be made of bronze. No, you're made out of flesh and blood. That's the blank, unholy surprise of it. Why, well, you're the golden girl, Tracy. Full of life and warmth and delight. Well, what goes on? You've got tears in your eyes. Shut up, shut up. Oh, Mike, keep talking, keep talking, talk, will you? I've stopped. Why? Has your mind taken hold again, dear professor? Well, good thing, don't you? Don't you agree? No, professor. All right, lay off that professor stuff now. Do you hear me? Yes, professor. It's really all I am to you, is it? Of course, professor. Are you sure? Why, yes. Yes, of course. Mr. Connor, Mr. Connor. Let me tell you something, No, don't Tracy. all of a sudden I've got the shakes. It can't be anything like love, can it? No, no, it mustn't be. It can't. Would it be inconvenient? Terribly. Anyway, I know it isn't. Oh, Mike, we're out of our minds. Right into our hearts. That ought to have music. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Oh, Tracy, you're so as if lovely. my insteps were melting away. What is it? Have I got feet of clay or something? Tracy. It's not part of the pool. It's just over the lawn and in the birch grove. It'll be lovely now. Tracy, you're tremendous. Put me in your pocket, Mike. So here finally comes the triangle that we've been waiting for. Grant obviously still has a fire burning and Stewart's has just been lit, no pun intended, and they're both for Hepburn. The problem is that Ruth Hussey has a thing for Stuart, and she has for a while. In any case, one of the cool parts about the last scene is the use of score music. And, you know, classic films often did this, which played almost like dialogue, something that is completely lost in today's filmmaking. Then we have sort of an awkward moment for George, as Stuart and Hepburn return to their room completely slosh, as Stuart is now carrying her. It's awkward for George, but great for the viewer. She's not hurt? No, no. Not wounded, sir, but dead. Seems the minute she hit the water, the wine hit her. Now, look here, Connor. A likely story, Connor. What'd you say? I said a likely story. Now, listen, if you You'll think... You'll be that... down directly? Yes, if you want. I want. Hello, Dexter. Hello, George. Hello, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Second door to the right, top of the stairs. Mind you, don't wake Dinah. Five feet are made of clay, made of clay. Did you know? Good night, little man. How are the mighty fallen? But if I know Tracy, and I know her well, she'll remember a little of this. For the second time in her life, she'll draw quite a tidy blank. Oh. You don't believe it, then? Believe what? Well, the, uh... The implications of what you saw, let us say. Yeah, what else am I to believe? That's entirely up to you. I got eyes. I got imagination, haven't I? I don't know, have you? 
Oh, so you pretend not to believe it. Yes, I pretend not to. <laughs> and you don't know women. That's possible. And you're a fool. Well, that's quite possible. Well, you won't be too hard on her, will you? I'll make up my own mind what I'll be. Well, we're all only human, you know. You, all of you, with your sophisticated ideas. Ain't it awful? Well? Why, you loot. Say, listen, what right have you... A husband's till tomorrow, Kittredge. Oi. Oi, Philip. How do you feel? Now, look, if you think I... I know, I know. I'm sorry. But I thought I'd better hit you before he did. He's in better shape than I am. Well, you'll do. Hepburn also has a nice hangover for her wedding day. Tracy! Hello. Um, isn't it a fine day, though? Is everybody fine? That's fine. Hi, I'm hearty. Well, how do you feel otherwise? Well, I don't know what's the matter with me. I, I must have had too much sun yesterday. My eyes don't open properly. Really? Oh, please go home, De Dex. Not until we've got those eyes open. Uncle Willie, good morning. That remains to be seen. Aren't you here early, Uncle Willie? It's nearly half past twelve. Well, it can't be. Where's Mother? She's talking with the orchestra. Father with the minister. And Mr. Connor, he hasn't come down yet. Um, and it's Saturday, your wedding day, remember? Thanks loads. It's nice to have things account. Only I wonder what this might be. It looks terribly like a wristwatch. But whose? I, I found it in my room. I nearly stepped on it. Uh, also... I think I was robbed at your house last night, Uncle Willie. My bracelet and engagement yeah. rings are Here missing. You are. But you weren't at the party. Wasn't I? W were you? Oh, now, don't tell me you don't remember. <laughs> I do, now. Sort of. But there were such a lot of people, I, I stayed so late. Oh, you should have taken a quick swim when you got home. A swim? A swim. There, now they're open. So with the combination of a hangover, thinking she'd spent the night with Stuart, feeling guilty about how her marriage ended with Grant, and not sure even about marrying George, Hepburn has quite the predicament on her hands. Oh, Dex. I'm such an unholy mess of a girl. Well, that's no good. That's not even conversation. But never in my life. Not if I... Live to be a hundred. Will I ever forget how you tried to stand me on my feet again today? Oh, you? You're in great shape. Oh. Tell me, what did you think of my wedding present? I'd like my presence at least acknowledged, you know. It was beautiful. And sweet of Dex. Yes, yeah. She was quite a boat, the true love, wasn't she? Was and is. My, she was yar. She was yar, all right. I wasn't, was I? Not very. Oh, you were good at the bright work, though. I made her shine. Where is she now? I'm going to sell it to Ruth Watrous. You're going to sell the true love? Mm -hmm. For money? Sure. To that fat old rumpot. 
So now here's where it's up to you, the viewer, to try to figure out who Hepburn ends up with. Will she go through the marriage with George or will she call off the wedding and pick between Grant and Stuart? The movie itself is worth watching just for the ride, so I highly recommend you check it out. The dialogue in the Philadelphia story is brilliant. There's a reason why this film is so highly regarded, and for me, it still absolutely holds up today. And if you don't want to wait, you can listen to the old-time radio adaptation featuring the same cast that I've tacked on at the end of this episode. However, you should really see the film as well. So some of the fun facts about the film. The character of Tracy was inspired by Helen Hope Montgomery Scott, who lived from 1904 to 1995. She was a beautiful socialite whose family had been Philadelphia royalty for generations. Now, her husband was a railroad heir, Edgar Scott, and he had been friends with the playwright Philip Berry since uh, their days at Harvard. And then the Scots and the Berries often socialized. And Barry used some of Helen's exploits from the 20s and the 30s as inspiration for Tracy's character and her free-spirited ways. Supposedly, uh, Scott had no problem with the play, saying, I thought it was great fun, but I really didn't pay much attention. I don't think Tracy was like me, except that she was very energetic and motivated. Cary Grant had two demands before being part of the film. He wanted top billing, and he wanted his salary, $137,000, to be donated to the British war relief effort. James Stewart won an Oscar for Best Actor, and Daniel Ogden Stewart, uh, obviously the Stewarts had a good night, he won for Best Screenplay. The film also received four other nominations but did not win, and those include Outstanding Production, which was MGM, and Joseph Mankiewicz was the producer, Best Director, George Kukar, a Best Actress for Katherine Hepburn, and Best Supporting Actress for Ruth Hussey. James Stewart actually had no plans to attend the Oscar ceremony that year, uh, but he, just before the ceremony began, he received a call advising him to slip into a dinner jacket and attend the ceremony. James Stewart never felt that he deserved the Oscar for this performance. He had initially felt he'd been miscast. He always maintained that Henry Fonda should have won for The Grapes of Wrath instead that year, and that the award that he won for The Philadelphia Story was, quote, deferred payment for his work on Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Very interesting how that works. It's almost like a makeup call in sports. So the film was shot in eight weeks and required no retakes. And so during the scene where James Stewart hiccups when he's drunk, you can see Cary Grant looking down and grinning. And since the hiccup wasn't scripted, Grant was on the verge of breaking out laughing and had to compose himself quickly. Stewart apparently spontaneously thought of the hiccuping in the drunk scene without telling Grant. And when he began hiccuping, Grant turned to Stewart and saying, Excuse me, 
and the scene required only one take. See? Masters at work. All right, it's been way too long. We finally get Samantha back on the podcast because she is one of our go-to guests when it comes to classic films. So we get to discuss the Philadelphia story. And then after I discuss that with her, I will tack on the radio adaptation of the Philadelphia story. So enjoy, and I'll be back next week to talk about another movie from my vast and varied DVD collection. All right, it's been far too long, and we're back with Samantha. Welcome back. It's been like a year. Thank you. So it has been a while. Yeah, but you're my go-to classic movie person. Classic. And uh, yeah, so we, we, we're trying to find the right movie for you. Yeah. And I always give you all these, and you're like, eh, eh. No, yeah. I am picky. Mm-hmm. I don't watch everything. Right. So it has to be something special. But this one, just like the bell went off and, and you're like, yes, this is the one I want to do. Yeah. So when was the last time you actually saw it? Because I made you re- Well, you didn't have to rewatch it, but you chose to. Yeah, I rewatched it this weekend. And then it's been a few years probably since I watched it fully. Mm-hmm. But I know I've, I've seen it like here and there in bits and pieces. Um, but yeah, it's been a while to the point where I kind of forgot a lot of like the undertones right. and I think I, maybe now that I'm older, I think I had a different interpretation and it so was I want to a hear good, about that. good experience. Yeah. So wh- how is it different for you now watching it as an adult as opposed to watching it as a kid? What are the, the plot pieces that you I changed? I think I just felt really bad for Tracy. Yeah now that I watched it like my my memory of the movie was always I think the comedy shown through right and yeah like the quick wit slapstick just the funny dialogue and then how the characters kind of mingle but I I've totally forgot about kind of how just how kind of sad her story is in a way like you meet her after things have happened so you don't really learn a lot about her and then at the time in her life when the movie takes place it's just all these people telling her you're a horrible person right get it together yeah like yes get off your pedestal (laughs) and it was it's not that I really sympathized with her fully but I could see where she was coming from Mm -hmm. in a way and yeah, I really, it kind of like hit me. <laughs> I wasn't expecting it. Well, I wonder if Catherine Epperman was going through similar things. Yeah. At that time, I guess she she was always critically acclaimed, but uh-huh. her movies weren't making money. Yeah, yeah, the whole 30s, like the late 30s, she was kind of known as, yeah, the box office dud. Yeah. And um, I was reading a kind of um, an article about her, and it was just saying how people – the way she was portrayed, a lot of the public assumed that she was just too, like, hoity-toity, like, full of herself, Mm -hmm. too high class, Mm -hmm. and, yeah, I think her character here is very similar, Yeah, because she's a society woman who kind of had everything handed to her, and maybe acts a certain way because that's what she's used to, or maybe that's a way to... I think a lot of what I saw in the movie was her, that's kind of the guard she puts up for kind of dealing with life in a way. And it could have been similar to how she was in real life. Um, And they touch upon the kind of the father issues she has a little bit. They don't really dig totally deep into it. And I think there's definitely 
trust issues there when it comes to men. Oh, definitely, because yeah. her dad was never, he seemed like he was never around, apparently. Right. Had affairs. Oh, yeah. The mom just kind of rolled with it. Uh -huh. And being the older daughter, I could definitely see where she was coming from. Oh, yeah. Like, no, don't. Not, a, you wouldn't really have some respect for your father in right. that case. And then kind of him turning it on her and saying, well, I do this because I don't get the, like, you, you don't care enough about me. Right. You don't take care of me and all of this. There was just, yeah, that one scene she had with her dad yeah. like, when he showed up was really heartbreaking. Uh, it was. I know. And you don't think about that. So you, yeah. like, watching it now, you, you yeah. picked up on that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the, yeah, the different relationships she has because at the beginning you see, like, her and, um, oh, gosh, Carrie Grant, what's his Dexter Haven? Yes. CK Dexter. <laughs> CK, you got it. That's a full CK name. CK Dexter Haven. <laughs> um, but yeah, you just see them like when their relationship falls apart and like he pushes her at the beginning. Yeah, you that would never get away with that now. You wouldn't get away with that now, but apparently the backstory is like she was just so mean all the time right. that i guess she deserved it yeah and um, she broke his clubs and things yeah. like that not that we're not condoning any no. of this but it, there is kind of a, a little bit of a yeah. yeah and so yeah at the beginning that relationship falls apart and now she's divorced yeah. and she jumps right into her next marriage just because maybe that's what she's supposed to do. Right. You don't really learn like how she meets no. her new fiance. And he's kind of a dud. He's if, a dud, yeah, 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 social climber. Yeah. Clearly. That was my first feeling about him is just, yeah, he's definitely a social climber. And um, yeah, Jimmy Stewart's character is, you kind of think, oh, maybe they'll get together, but... Yeah. Even the social the social constraints it would never happen. Well, even his his partner, who is Liz yeah. Hussey in yeah. the movie, you Ruth Hussey. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you can tell that she has a thing for him, mm -hmm. he's just not seeing it. Yeah, the whole know? time. Yeah. So I do like how that ended where it's kind of like a little like girl moment. Sure. Where yeah, Tracy kind of is like, Okay, you don't like me. Yeah. You don't go away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so who are you rooting for? Like, do you want her to get with J James Stewart, or do you? I know you don't like Jimmy Stewart. Yeah, so, or no, was, <laughs> I shouldn't say that. Yeah. But well, no, you have your preference. There's something so. about the characters he's always plays. They're mm -hmm. like, they're just too like good guy. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Well, that's him. Yeah. 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 It's just in this movie, he kind of he plays a little differently he than he normally does. Mm -hmm. So it is more fun here, but it's still kind of like the intelligent like moral yeah guy and you're just like come on have a little fun though he does <laughs> kind of the drunk scenes that's a really good that's scene. different for both of them yeah, and that was it's fun totally different yeah totally different and Cary Grant's always Cary Grant so, yeah. yeah yeah and I'm totally biased because Cary Grant is one of my favorite I'm actors with you. Mm -hmm. and um you know he is clearly clearly flawed mm -hmm. because their relationship has issues mm -hmm. and but I think he is he has general, genuine, like, he's a genuinely nice person, I think. Yeah. I think that's what the movie is trying to portray, um, even though he goes about things the wrong way. Oh, yeah. I of don't course. Know. They're all flawed. They're and, all yeah. horribly flawed. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd have to say my bias always had me rooting for him. Sure. And they just come from, you know, the same world. They got married too young. Yeah. 
go get go to some therapy. Yeah. I, don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Did they do therapy back then? No. Said, sit, laying on the couch. No. I, the person that amuses me the most at watching it now is Dinah, her sister. Yeah. Like she's hilarious. Like I she's know. got some of the best lines. Yeah, it's kind of that typical trope though, yeah. with like like the little kid that's too Wise smart. Yeah. Too smart for their own good, but it plays well mm-hmm. into the other characters. I like when um they they all catch on that the journalists are there for the wedding, right. so they start putting on the show. Yeah. And then she comes out like speaking French and doing ballet, yeah. and, and that's then fun. and then Catherine Hepburn comes out in her like really aristocratic yeah. way. Um, yeah, that's a good scene. I like having the sister there too. It adds the dynamic, the sister and the parents. Yeah. There's not, you know, not a lot of characters in this movie, mm-hmm. and it really could just be the three major ones. Well, you get characters um, still have the Uncle Willie of... character who acts like her yeah. father yeah. until the father oh, actually appears. Oh, he's the worst, yeah. though. You, none of that would be allowed no. nowadays. No. All the pinching. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's the thing. That's the interesting thing about watching movies now. Yeah. And, and sometimes you just kind of have to... I don't know, does certain things bother you to the sense you can't watch them anymore because of today's, I don't know, perception? Or can you still, like, okay, it was back then. Like, no. It's not going to bother me. To, I, yeah. I don't get affected. Yeah. I think I think it's warranted if people do, but mm-hmm. I still like to watch things and because they're enjoyable. Like, I still right. love Breakfast at Tiffany. Sure. Even though it has one of the worst characters in sure. any movie. Yeah. Um, but here, I think it's... It really is. It's a capsule of the moment, mm-hmm. and you have to look at it for what it was. I think it's a huge deal that I think Catherine Hepburn got, got the rights yes. to the movie. So yeah, which is a great yeah. story. She got it from Howard Hughes, yeah, who bought yeah. it for because uh-huh. they were an item at one point. They were point. together. Yeah. And so I think it's really cool that even though the movie, yeah, it does have its little misogynistic moments, mm-hmm. but it was 1940, yep. and it was brought to life because of an actress so she wanted this movie and it was a play before them that she was in and Mm -hmm. i think it and she started in it too and very successful so i think it's really important and even though it has these little moments Mm -hmm. that today don't stand up well right um the the comedy above it all is like the best yeah like i could probably watch this over and over and still catch like the little like turns of phrase yeah and the little quirky jokes just every line has just something yeah something to it and that's a great point because the the back and forth between all three of them especially jimmy stewart and carrie grant Mm -hmm. they they work well Mm -hmm. together but she's kind of the glue that keeps it all together so yeah yeah, she's definitely, as they call her, you know, she's such a goddess. Right. But she really is. She stands above mm-hmm. the others and is good at pulling the drama mm-hmm. and the comedy right. together. And they kind of all both, like, balance yeah. balance each other well. So, would you, again, this, is, this would be one of your go-to. Of all the Cary Grant movies, where does this rank? Because you've hmm. seen you've seen most of them. So. I've seen most of them. That's a tricky question. Mm-hmm. I really I really like this one of his. Um, kind of the earlier era. I like yeah. I like his early movies. I do like his older movies, but it always kind of bugged me how he was always so much older than so the actresses. Well, he's always charming though. I That's a thing. This yeah. could be an episode. I'd have to look at his whole filmography. And yeah. Them, but. This one definitely, so I compared think, is to, more memorable. So, like, Bringing Up Baby yeah. and Holiday and um, 
you know, those ones he did with um, like My Favorite Wife and those types of yeah. you know, kind of screwball comedies. Yeah. It kind of ranks up there. Yeah. 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 I don't know. This one, I think, too, it's Catherine Hepburn. Yeah. Too. I think the duo has always been. A Do you good like one this better me. than Bring Up Baby? Um, I don't know. I haven't seen that one in a long time. We'll eventually do that one too. Either. So, yeah. yeah, I'd have to say I I like this one. It's just succinct. Yeah. And the just having all the like all stars together, mm-hmm. it really I don't know. It was special. It yeah. Was a special movie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think the one thing um about Cary Grant in this movie that I noticed, like I was reading um, another review and they mentioned how good he is in this movie about standing back and observing. Yeah. So he has some amazing moments with Tracy where they talk and he gets his points across, but it's also really cool to watch him in this movie just when he's not like doing anything. Yeah. And he has a very like, I don't know, his just behavior is... His acting is very natural. It seems uh, yeah. like he'd be that, like that yeah. in real life. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like very jovial yeah. and charming, and kind of like, oh, you, you do you, right? And I'll just be over here, and you'll come back to me eventually. <laughs> I guess a little bit later in his career, he started to kind of get tired of playing what he called Cary Grant. So, yeah. like, he had created this persona, yes, exactly. Yeah, and it's tough. I mean, you yeah. almost become your Mm-hmm. The person you're yeah. interacting with. Yeah. He was the real person. Yes. <laughs> he never played the bad guy. Just like Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. He ended up always playing. Gregory yeah, Peck. Same type. Yeah. Same, same type. So. Well, as always, this has been way too long. We expect to have you on soon for another potential Cary Grant movie. I don't uh, know when this is going to air. So uh, thank you for doing this and welcome back. Oh, thank you. The United States of America presents the Victory Theater. Theater brings you Cary Grant, Catherine Hepburn, Lieutenant James Stewart, Ruth Hussey, and Virginia Widler in The Philadelphia Story. Ladies and gentlemen, speaking for the United States government, Mr. Cecil B. DeMille. Greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. This is a great moment in the American theater, the opening night of a great new theater, dedicated to those principles for which free peoples are now fighting on the battlefields of the world, dedicated above all to victory. Each Monday night, a popular Columbia Network program will donate an extra performance in the service of the United States. Speaking for the sponsor and staff of our theater, which you've heard on Mondays at this same time for many years, and speaking for myself, we are highly honored that the government has asked us to produce this first program. We've met this challenge with a four-star premiere worthy of the star-spangled purpose behind the Victory Theater. Our play is Philip Barry's brilliant comedy, The Philadelphia Story, and our stars are the same famous quartet who played it on the screen. Terry Grant, Catherine Hepburn, James Stewart, and Ruth Hussey. Incidentally, we, we used to borrow Jimmy Stewart from his picture studio. Tonight, he was assigned to us by Uncle Sam. As you know, he's now a lieutenant in the United States Army Air Forces. Before it reached the screen, the Philadelphia story ran for a year on Broadway 
with Miss Hepburn as the star. Backstage one night, I tried to persuade the lady to let me make the picture. She was very gracious, but another producer made the picture. However, all things come to him who waits if he waits long enough. So tonight, I raise the curtain on the first act of the Philadelphia story, starring Cary Grant as C.K. Dexter Haven, Catherine Hepburn as Tracy Lord, Lieutenant James Stewart as Mike Connor, Ruth Hussey as Elizabeth Embry, and Virginia Weidler as Dinah. And don't bother to come back. Ladies and gentlemen, you've just been listening to the end of an ideal marriage. That was Mr. C.K. Dexter Haven being invited out of his happy home, with Mrs. Tracy Lord Haven issuing the invitation. But all that was two years ago. Right now, Philadelphia society is seething with interest over the forthcoming second marriage of Tracy Lord. And the editor of the international magazine Spy is determined to spread it over six photographic pages of his candlestick. On the way to the editor's office, our spy's major writer and spy's foremost photographer. I'm not going to do it, Liz. I'm going to tell Sidney Kidd very plainly and simply I'm a writer and no society snoop. I'm going to tell him just that. Just that. Let Kidd fire me. I'll start writing short stories again. I'm going to tell him just that. Just that. Come in. Oh, hello, Colonel. Morning, Miss Embry. Mr. Kidd, I don't think you're being fair to me. No? No. Well, you're treating me like you treat all your other writers. You really hate me, don't you, Connor? No, no. I, I don't like you very much, though. You hate me, I trust, Miss Zimbley? No, I can't afford to hate anybody. I'm only a photographer. Your assignment will be Spy's most sensational achievement. Tracy Samantha Lord. Big game hunting in Africa, fox hunting in Pennsylvania. Why, I can see the layout now. The Philadelphia story. Pools with the portals of snobbish fox hunting. No, no. No hunter of foxes is Spy magazine. Anyway, presented for the first time, quote, a wedding day inside mainline society. Or what the kitchen maid saw through the keyhole, unquote. Go ahead, Connor. Writing's your job. I'm only the publisher. All right, publisher. Take this. Quote, no hunter of buckshot in the rear is cagey, crafty Connor. Unquote. Closed paragraph. Closed job. Closed bank account. But look, Mr. Kidd, how could we possibly get inside the Lord Estate, let alone the house? Uh, just a moment. Uh, Miss Pauley? Yes, sir. Ask the gentleman to come in. You'll find, Miss Embry, I haven't overlooked anything. Uh, come in, please, Mr... Come in, come in. I understand we understand each other. Yes, Mr. Kidd, quite. Connor, this gentleman has been employed in our Buenos Aires office. I believe he can help us with our problem. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, tell him, please. Well, Tracy Lord's brother, Junius, is in the American Embassy down there. He's an old friend of mine. I'll introduce you to the Lords as intimate friends of Junius's. Dear old Junius. Now, this Tracy, Samantha Lord, does she know you? You might say Miss Lord and I grew up together. Yes, you might also say you were her first husband, Mr. C.K. Dexter Haven. Yes, you might. Holy mackerel, what goes on here? I remember your honeymoon very well. You and she on a little sailboat, the true love, wasn't That's it? That's right. How did you know? I was the only photographer whose camera you didn't smash. Oh, you were terribly nice about it. You threw it overboard. Well, I had the strange idea that our honeymoon, <clears throat> excuse me, was our own private business. Now, what are the plans, Haven? The wedding Saturday. They should spend tomorrow night as guests of the Lord. Well, now, wait just a minute. Now, that's sort of screwy here. Now, listen, Mr. Haven, why are you doing all this unless you... Oh, oh, you want to get even with your ex-bride, huh? I don't think there's anything further to discuss. 
I'll have a car pick them up at noon tomorrow in North Philadelphia. Why that late? Uh, here, Mike. Hmm? Take my handkerchief. There's a little spit in your eye. It shows. my sister? Yes, Miss Steiner. She's in the sitting room, making a list of the wedding gifts. Tracy. Mother, how do you spell omelette? Oh, you. Why didn't you answer me? Omelette, Mother. Omelette? O-M-M-E-L-E-T. I thought that was another L. That's a funny wedding present. An omelette, dear. A silver dish. Steiner, bring some of that junk off the table. Is this a present? It stinks. Don't say stinks, darling. If absolutely necessary, smells, but only if absolutely necessary. Mother, the cards on the presents have been changed again. There must be a ghost loose in the house. Maybe the ghost of bridegroom number one. Oh, Dinah, don't talk about Dexter as though he were dead. He might just as well be for all Tracy cares. Right. If I never see Mr. C.K. Dexter Haven again, I'll be... Mother, look at that lamp. Isn't it awful? Who sent it? They're friends of your father. Wouldn't you know it? What are they, tap dancers or just musical comedy producers? It's hardly fair to your father's interest in art, Tracy. Art, my eye, the art of putting up $100,000 to display the shapely legs of Tina Mara. That will do, Tracy. Oh, I give up, Mother. If you just face the facts squarely, as I did. Well, we both might face the facts, but neither of us has proved to be a very great success as a wife. We just picked the wrong first husband, that's all. Well, don't let's argue about it. You wanted me to take a stand, and I've taken it. The only stand a woman could take and keep her self-respect. Yes, Tracy, I know. Now I have my self-respect and no husband. Hey, it's better this way, really. You'll see. Let's forget about the past. We both deserve some happiness now, especially you. Darling. Isn't George an angel? George is an angel. Is he handsome or is he not? George is handsome. I like Dexter better. Really? Why don't you postpone the wedding? Postpone it? How? Get smallpox. Don't put that idea in her head. What time is it? George isn't usually late. Oh, uh, he's waiting for us at the stable. Waiting for us at the... Mother, if I don't choke her before Saturday... It'd perform the wedding, wouldn't it? It would not. Be in the car when I get down, Donna. She's so mean about Dexter. He was rather mean to her, my dear. Did he really suck her? Please, Donna. Well, the papers were full of Anundo. Of what? Of Anundo. Cruelty and drunkenness, it said. Mother... Why won't Tracy ask her own father to the wedding? Your sister has very definite opinions about certain things. But don't you think it's stinking not to want father? Yes, darling. Between ourselves, I think it's good and stinking. Where do you see your fiancé? He's all shiny. What are you talking about? Brand new riding breeches. See? Hello there. Well, who's that terribly attractive man? Hello, darling. Hello, George. Well, how do you like me? I adore you, but you look awful. Awful? You look like something right out of a shop window. Tracy, I... Help me, Dinah. We'll rub a little dirt on those britches. Hey, listen now, just a minute. No, 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 stop. Now, listen, these are new pants. That's just it. They're new, but they're not going to be. There, that's better. I, I don't get it. When I was a coal miner, the idea was to get enough money to buy clean clothes, and now that I'm general manager... What's that thing you were reading? This? Oh, I was just glancing through it. It's a copy of Spy. Who takes it? Your cook? I love it. It's got pictures of everything. It certainly has. I just wanted to see if there was anything in here about the wedding. What do you mean? Well, I thought maybe you being one of the oldest families in Philadelphia and me getting fairly important myself. Luck, of course. Let me have that thing. What's the matter? Look at this stuff. An avid day in the life of a congressman. The congressman's wife. The kitchen where he's prepared one banana sliced. Two fried eggs. 
enough of all that filthy ideas coming into a private house with a camera. Get on that horse, George Kittredge. Tracy, what would happen if I took it into my head someday to go into politics? You'd be elected president. No, I mean about publicity. Not in my home. Get on that horse. Hey, where is everybody? Dexter. Dexter. Hello, Dinah. Dexter, you've come back. Ah, oh, Dinah, my dream girl. Tracy! Dexter's here. Dexter! <laughs> What in the name of... Well, hello, Tracy. Oh, How are you, Mother Lord? Victor, don't you know that tomorrow's the wedding? Oh, no. Oh, that's right. So it is. You can go right back where you came from. Now, Red, look. You don't think I'd miss your wedding, do you? When did you arrive? Tell us all about Junius. Well, Junius is fine. Oh, he should be here. Well, he's heartbroken. I suggested representing him as best man. But... I'm afraid George might prefer to have his best man sober. Oh. I wish you'd represent George. That's my loyal little girl, Dinah. Oh, you'll like the people Junius did send, though, I'm sure. You haven't switched from liquor to dope by any chance, have you, Dexter? <laughs> the people Junius did send? Yes, you don't have to know a Macaulay Connor on Elizabeth Embry, do you? No, I don't. Well, then you'd better come along and be introduced. You see, they're great friends of Junius's. Do they expect to stay here over the wedding? I think it's very queer indeed. I think it's queerer than that. I think it's paranoid. You're lying, Dexter. I can always tell. Can you, Red? You went to work after the divorce, didn't you? Well, yes, except for a brief interview in a couple of alcoholic sanitariums. But you took a job in South America. Who for? A magazine. And it wasn't by any chance spy magazine. You are a match of intuition. And I don't suppose the juniors is friends of photographers by any chance. So I knew you were low, but I never thought you'd think to anything. What are you going to do? After I telephone Junius, I'm going to do plenty. Uh, no, 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 wait, Red, wait, wait. I confess, you don't have to telephone Junius. So, you confess? Ah, uh, no. No, you're slipping, Red. I used to be afraid of that look. The withering glance of the goddess. Oh, <laughs> shut up. Now, look, Red, about this man Connor and, uh... I'll take care of them. Who do they think they are barging in on peaceful people? Oh, sure, sure. They'll think you don't want them. I want them out, and you too. Yes, Your Majesty, but first... Could I interest you in some small blackmail? No. What do you mean, blackmail? Well, it's an article. Complete the no. snapshots, details, and insinuations, and it's ready for publication in Spies. And it's about your father and that dancer in New York, you see? About father and Tina Morrow? Fire, fire. Dinah may be listening. But they can't. They... Even if it's true. Where'd you get this stuff? From one Sydney kid, the editor and publisher. He's got to be shot. Well, he is, temporarily. That is, if you'll allow those two to turn in a story on your wedding. And when Kid says a story, he needs a story. I'm going to be sick. Yes, dear. An intimate day with a society bride. <laughs> I am sick. Well, it's tough, but that's the way it seems to be. So I'm to be examined, undressed, and generally humiliated at 15 cents a coffee. And you, you... You're loving it. Am I, Red? All right, I'll give them an interview. I'll give them a picture of Tracy Lord that'll stand their hair on end. Look at this joint. Where is this room? I forgot my compass. Well, this would be the south-southwest parlor by living room or something. Say, uh, what's this guy Haven up to? Anyway? C.K. Dexter Haven. Yeah, what kind of a name is that? Macaulay Connors, no home fun tag, my pet. Yeah, well, just try calling me Macaulay. I knew a plain Joe Smith once. He was only a clerk in a hardware store. But he was an absolute rat. Like, take your feet off the table. Oh, uh, well, no. Tell, tell poor footman to call me for lunch, will you? How do you do? Oh, I'm sorry. Don't bother to get up. I'm Tracy Lewis. Oh, well, my name is... It's Macaulay. so nice having Macaulay. you here. How did you meet Junior? 
Uh, fine. We'd like to join your father. Eunice is such a lamb, isn't uh, he? Yes, isn't he? It's a pity that none of the male members of the family are going to be here to no. welcome you. No, well, uh, well, where's your father? Darling, Papa, I do hope you'll stay for my wedding. We'd like to very much. I'm so glad that it occurred to you. Was your father sex? What a cunning little camera. I'm we... afraid I'm an awful nuisance with it, but you couldn't be. I hope you'll take loads of pictures. You're a kind of uh, writer, aren't you, Mr. Connor? Sort of. Hmm, a book? Uh, yes, a book, a book, a short story. Under what name I... do you publish? My own, Macaulay Connor. What's the Macaulay for? Well, my father taught English history. I'm Mike to my friend. Of whom you have I... many, I'm sure. <laughs> English history has always fascinated me. Cromwell, Robin Hood, Jack the Ripper. Where did he teach? I mean, your father. Well, he taught in a little high school in South Bend, Indiana. South Bend. It sounds like dancing, doesn't it? You must have had a most happy childhood there. Oh, it was terrific. I'm so glad. Well, no, I didn't mean it that way. I'm I so mean... sorry. Why? Well, I don't know. <laughs> Lack of wherewithal, I guess. But that doesn't always cause unhappiness, does it? Are uh, either of you married? No. No, what? No. You mean uh, you were, but now you're divorced. Well, the fact is... Well, come now. Surely you're not ashamed of it. Of course I'm not ashamed of it. What? Well, it, it, it was years ago. I was, I was only a kid in Duluth. Heavens, good heavens. Well, you never told me anything about this. Well, you never asked me. Well, I didn't ask you. Of course not. Joan Smith. Difference? Hardware. You're the darndest girl. <laughs> I think I'm sweet. Duluth. That must be a lovely spot. It's west of here, isn't it? Sort of. But occasionally we get the breezes. And this is your first visit in Philadelphia. It's a quaint old place, don't you think? Filled with relics. Tell me something. Are you two going together? Well, now, I beg uh, you, please. Odd question, I must say. I don't see why. I think it's very interesting. Don't you agree, uh, Miss Imbray, that if a man says he loves a girl, he ought to marry her? Can she be human? Please, Mr. Connor, I ask this young lady a question. I beg you, Well, uh, that depends. I, I'll it... see what's keeping Mama. You'll excuse me, won't you? Who's who's doing the interviewing here? You don't suppose she's caught on somehow? Oh, no, she was born that way, but I've still got to get an interview. Well, try the town library. You can probably dig up enough stuff to hang her whole family. Book return, Miss Bowe. Just leave it, please. Uh, Excuse me, are you the librarian? Yes. What does he wish? Well, I'm looking for a local... What'd you say? What does thee wish? I'm looking for a uh, local biography of history. If they will consult with my colleague over there. Uh-huh. <laughs> Dost thou have a washroom? <laughs> to the left. Thank thee. Look, I know this is a public library, but I... Oh. Hello. Well, my book, huh? Well, couldn't you afford to buy a copy? The bookstore didn't have one. Oh, well, you sure you're doing the right thing now. You know, what happens to girls like you when they read books like mine and begin to think? That's bad. These stories are beautiful. Why, Connor, they're almost poetry. Well, don't kid yourself. They are. I can't make you out at all now. Really? You talk so big and tough, and then you write like this. Which is which? Both, I guess. No, I believe you put the toughness on to save your skin. You think so? I know a little about that. Really? Quite a lot. Please. 
Look, look. Let's get out of here. You want to swim? All right. Hello, Connor? Yeah, thanks. Boy, you really got something there. Where? Well, I mean all this. Garden, swimming pool. You could sail a small yacht on there. Hey, what were we talking about? Oh, my book. Yeah. Tell me something, will you? When you can do a thing like that, Brooke, how can you possibly do anything else? Well, you may not believe this, but there are people in this world that must earn their living. Oh, heck, that's Dexter. Look, stand by me, will you? I don't want to be alone with him. Well, certainly, if you like. Thanks. Hello there, Red. Well, fancy seeing you here. Well, what's this you've been drinking? Orange juice? Thanks, I'd love some. Don't tell me you've forsaken your beloved whiskey and whiskey. Oh, no, 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 no. I've just changed their color, that's all. I go in for the pale pastel shades now. How about you, Mr. Connor? You drink, don't you? Oh, a little. A little? And you're a writer? Dear me. Dear me. I thought all writers drank to excess and beat their wives. Dexter. Hello. Would you mind doing something for me? Anything. What? Get the heck out of here. Oh, my dear, dear Red. I couldn't do that. You need me too much. Would you mind telling me just what it is you're hanging around for? Look, I think I've got No, 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 no. Please don't go, Mr. Connor. No, 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 no. Please don't go, Mr. Connor. As a writer, this ought to be right up your street. Don't miss a word. Well, I never saw you looking better, Red. You're getting that fine, tawny look. Oh, we're going to talk about me, are we? Goody. Yes, it's astonishing, astonishing what money can do for people, Mr. Connor. Not too much, you know, just more than enough. <laughs> now, take Tracy, for example. It's even changed her shape. She was a dumpy little thing at one time. Only as it happens, I'm not interested in myself for the moment. Not interested in yourself? You're fascinated, Red. You're far and away your favorite person in the world. Of course, Mr. Connor, she's a girl who's generous to a fault. Except to other people's thoughts. For instance, she never had any understanding of my deep and gorgeous thirst. It was disgusting. It made you so unattractive. Yes, a weakness, sure. And strength is her religion, Mr. Connor. She finds human imperfection unforgivable. And when I gradually discovered that my relationship to her was supposed to be not that of a loving husband and a good companion, but that of a kind of high priest to a goddess, well, then my drinks got deeper and more frequent. I never considered you as that, nor myself. Oh, you did without knowing it. <laughs> and the night that you got drunk on champagne and climbed out on the roof and stood there in your nightshirt <laughs> with your arms out to the moon, wailing like a banshee. <laughs> I told you I never had the slightest recollection of uh, doing any such thing. I know, I know. You drew a blank. You wanted to. Mr. Connor, what would you... Oh. Where did he go? He's gone. I hope he heard what, he, what you said, though. Make a wonderful story for Spark. Yeah, yeah, well, it's too bad we can't supply photographs of you on the roof. Chester, what are you trying to make me out as? Tracy, what do you fancy yourself as? When I read you were going to marry Kittredge, I couldn't believe it. That's why I'm here. How in the world can you even think of it? Because he's everything you're not. Oh, yes? He's been poor, he's had to work, and he's had to fight for everything. And I love him as I never even began to love you. Maybe so, but I doubt it. I think it's just a swing from me. But Kittredge is no great tower of strength, Tate Tracy. He's just a tower. You hardly know him. Well, to hardly know him is to know him well. Kittredge is not for you, Red. You bet he's for me. He's a great man and a good man. Already he's of national importance. Oh, well, you sound like spy magazine talking. You seem quite contemptuous of me all of a sudden. No, Red, not of you. I'm contemptuous of something inside you. Your so-called strength. Your prejudice against weakness, your blank intolerance. Is that all? Well, that's the gist of it. Because you'll never be a first-class human being or a first-class woman until you've learned to have some regard for human frailty. Yeah, it's a pity your own foot can't slip a little sometime. 
But your sense of divinity wouldn't allow that. You're a special class of the American female. The married maidens. So help me, Dex. If you say another word, I'll... Oh, I'm through, Red. For the moment, I've had my say. Crazy. Oh, look. The Tower of Strength. I, uh... I suppose I should object to this, too, somehow. Well, that would be most objectionable. Well, any time either of you want my advice... We'll give you a ring. Thanks. Do that, will you? Well, so long, Red. Oh, uh, here's a little wedding present. Sorry I hadn't any ribbon to tie it up with. Well, so long, Kidridge. So long. Hmm. Should we open this, Tracy? Go ahead. I must remember to send him a note along with the others. Well, who... What is it? Look what your friend considers a wedding present. Why, it's... It's a model of the true love. The what? The true love. A boat he designed and built practically. We sailed her down the coast of Maine and back the summer we were married. My, she was yaw. Yaw? What's that mean? It means... Oh, what does it mean? Easy to handle, quick to the helm, fast, bright. Everything about quickly. Until she develops dry rock. In a moment, Mr. DeMille presents Act Two of the Philadelphia Story. Less than 20 minutes ago, a great many of you heard Cecil Brown say, and I quote exactly, In the Far East, American bombers brought new encouragement to the courageous Chinese. The Americans swooped down on Canton Airdrome in South China and caught 60 Japanese aircraft massed on the field. The bomb bays opened and most of those Japanese aircraft are no more. I wonder if you feel that you had anything to do with what happened there. Well, if you're a worker, perhaps the planes you worked on were in that fight. Perhaps someone in your family or one of your friends was fighting there. But how about you, personally? Did you have anything to do with it? If you're buying government bonds, you did. Because your dollars were fighting there and doing their utmost. Everybody can send dollars fighting. I was at the post office the other day, and it took my breath away to see the people crowd up to get their bonds. Rich man, poor man, bringing stamps and cash for bonds. They could almost see their money go marching. There was a satisfaction, a sense of belonging that just never comes to people that sit on the sidelines. And if you don't know that feeling, that glow, then you're missing something real. Maybe 10% of your income is tough, but do it. And if 10% is easy, make it more. Are we going to win this war? President Roosevelt says we can, we must, we will. Won't you say that too? And then make it real by starting to put 10% of all you earn into war bonds. We pause now for station identification. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Philadelphia Story, starring Cary Grant, Catherine Hepburn, James Stewart, Ruth Hutty, and Virginia Widler. On the eve of Tracy Lord's wedding, her ex-husband's presence is no comfort. No comfort either is Dinah, who rushes in with news of a new complication. Tracy! Tracy! He came anyway. He's here right now. Who's here? Father. Father. On the terrace, Tracy Lord faces her father and mother. In her eyes, there's nothing but scorn. Now, Tracy, remember, your Uncle Willie's guest of honor tonight. You mustn't be late. I just saw that fiancé of yours, Tracy. He roared out of here on two wheels. Does he by any chance ever walk anywhere? Funny likes, I expect. Mm. I have a feeling he'll take the ring tomorrow and go right through center with it. 
<laughs> Seth, you idiot. Very amusing, I'm sure. Almost as amusing as the picture of you with your arm around Mother. Oh, I find very unamusing the stupid, undignified spectacle we're making of ourselves for the benefit of those two newspaper people. Of course, in as much as you let us in for it in the first place. Oh, do keep that note out of your voice, Tracy. It's most unattractive. Oh? How does your dancer friend talk, or does she purr? Tracy, you've got a heck of a nerve to come back here in your best head-of-the-family manner and strike attitudes and criticize my fiancé and give orders and mess things up generally. Stop. Mm -hmm. I can't help it. It's sickening as if you've done nothing at all. Oh, anyway, it's not all affair, Tracy. If it concerns anyone, well, well, actually, I, I don't know who it concerns except your father. That's very wise of you, Margaret. What most wives fail to realize is that their husband's philandering has nothing whatever to do with it. Oh? Then what has it to do with? Uh, a reluctance to grow old, I think. I suppose the best mainstay a man can have as he gets along in years is a daughter. The, uh, the right kind of daughter. How sweet. Full of warmth. Full of foolish, unquestioning, uncritical affection. None of which I've got? None. You have a good mind, a pretty face. You have everything it takes to make a lovely woman, Tracy. Except the one essential. An understanding heart. Without it, you might just as well be made of bronze. That's, a, that's an awful thing to say to anyone. Indeed it is. So, I'm to blame for Tina Mara, am I? To some extent, I expect you are. You coward. No, but better to be one than a prig and a perennial spinster, however many marriages. Seth, that's too much. What, what did you say I was? You want me to repeat it? A prig and a... You mean you think I think I'm some kind of a... Goddess or something? If your ego wishes to call it that, yes. Come along, Margaret. Crazy, haven't you danced enough? Danced enough? You know what time it is. It's after four. In China, it's later than that. In China, we'd be married by now. Or perhaps it's only yesterday. Tracy, I don't understand you tonight. What's the matter? What's the matter with everybody? You never drink, Tracy. You got that wrong. Briggs don't drink. What? Nor spinsters. Tracy. Nor goddesses of any variety. Oh, Tracy, that's enough. Higher, higher. For hmm. Connor of South Bend reporting for duty. May I cut in? I'm sorry, Connor. We're going home after this dance. Oh, now you can't do that to me. Not an old friend of Junior's. I wish old Junior's were here. Tracy, I'll get your wraps. I'll be right back. You'll wrap me up. Hello, you. Hello. Hey, you look fine. I feel fine. Good, good, good. What was I saying? <laughs> oh, let's have another drink. Or, or would Kittredge thank? That's not what you were saying. Uh, no, of course it was. What was I saying? Oh, I know. Why do you wish your brother was here? Does he like Kittredge? Everybody likes Kittredge. Everybody likes Kittredge. Everybody except C.K. Dexter Haven, huh? C.K. Dexter Haven. Where, uh, where is C.K. Dexter Haven? He didn't come. He's home. He's home, huh? Mm -hmm. I think I'll go and have a little talk with him. Come on, Connor. Let's, let's have some wine. Let's have some wine. Mm -hmm. Here, dear. Here's your rack. No, we're going to have just one more drink before... Not you, I'm afraid, dear. Why should you be afraid, George? You know wine never affects me, not in the slightest. <laughs> Greetings. Have a bottle of champagne. Champagne is a great leveler, little leveler. 
It makes you my equal. Oh, I wouldn't quite say that. Well, I'm almost my equal. Anyway, sit here next to heaven. I would like to talk to you. All right. Well, let's go in the talking room. Now, don't tell me the party's over so soon. No, no. I just felt like talking to you. Well, that's nice. I wonder if I might have a drink. Certainly. <laughs> Coast to Newcastle. Here, here. Sit down. Sit down. Thank you. Excuse me. Huh? Oh, nothing, nothing. Huh. Listen, are you still in love with Tracy Lord? What? Or perhaps you consider that a very personal question. Not at all. Liz thinks you are. Liz thinks you are. But, of course, women like to romanticize about things. Yes, they do, don't they? Yes, they do, don't they? <laughs> you know, I can't understand how you can have been married to her and still know so little about her. Can't you? No, I can't you. <laughs> I have the hiccup. No. <laughs> I wonder if I might have another drink. Certainly. Thank you. You know, Tracy's no ordinary woman, and you said some things to her this afternoon that I resented. Well, I apologize, Mr. Connor. That's Carter. quite all right. That's quite all right. But when a girl is like Tracy, she's one in a million. She's sort of... Like a, uh, sort of like a... Uh, uh, a goddess? No, 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 you said that this afternoon. No, she's sort of like a queen. A radiant, glorious queen. And, and you can't treat her like other women. Hmm. No, I suppose not. But then I imagine Kittredge appreciates all that. Oh, Kittredge. Kittredge appreciates Kittredge. That fake man of the people, that five-cent edition of Sydney Kid. Hmm. I always thought Kid himself was a five-cent kid. You know, Kid's just using you like he uses everybody else. That guy's colossal. He's terrific. He's got everybody fooled. Yes, yes. No mean Machiavelli is smiling, cynical Sidney kid. The world's his oyster with an R in every month. Well, that's not bad. When did I say that? You didn't. I did. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> I suppose you never heard of Kid's Little Arrangement in Kansas City. Nope. Or San Francisco. Well, let me tell you about the time he went to Boston. That... The true story of that little John would ruin him. Oh, yes? Hmm. Hey, look here. What would happen to you if I used that stuff? Why? Well, I might want to very much. You see, Kid is holding an article on Tracy's father, and this might stop him. Well, blackmail, huh? Well, look. Well, look, you just use it. Use it with my blessings. I'm through anyway. All right, now, come on. Sit down there. I gotta go back to Tracy. Not yet, not yet. Now, you dictate, I'll write. Now, shoot. Boston. Huh? What? Boston. Boston. Oh, oh. Uh, the time, May 1938, the place, Boston, and a hotel. Kid is... You know, Tracy, uh, champagne's funny stuff. I, I'm used to whiskey. Whiskey's sort of a slap on the back. Champagne's heavy mist before my eyes. It was nice of you to bring me home. I have a little mist, too. Hey, what's that? <laughs> Music. Dad? Uh-uh. I tell you what. Let's have a quick swim to brighten us up. Dex and I always swam after parties. Uh-uh. Let's uh, dip into some of the champagne. <laughs> Hello. You? Hello. You look fine. I feel fine. Did you enjoy the party? Sure, sure. The prettiest sight in the fine, pretty world is the privileged class enjoying its privilege. You're a snob, Connor. No doubt, no doubt. A wash with champagne was Will Q. Tracy's pleasure dome on the nuptial eve of Tracy's... 
Oh, now, listen. You can't marry that guy. George, I'm going to. Why not? Well, I don't know. I've thought it before at first, but you just don't seem to match up. Then the fault's with me. Well, maybe so, but all the same, you're quite a girl, Twinkie Lowe. You think? Yeah, I know. Thank you, Professor. I don't think I'm exceptional. Yeah, you are, though. I know any number like me. You ought to get around more. In the upper class? No, no, thank you. What have classes to do with it? George comes from the so-called lower class. Extra from the upper. I'll take the lower, thanks. If you can't get a drawing room. What? <laughs> what do you mean by that? My mistake. <laughs> You're insulting. What? Sorry. Oh, don't apologize. Well, who's apologizing? I never knew such a man. Tracy. What do you want? You're wonderful. There's a magnificence in you, Tracy. No, I'm getting self-conscious. It's funny, I... Mike, yeah. let's... Yeah, let's go. I don't know. Go off, I guess it's late. A magnificence that comes out of your eyes and your voice and the way you stand there and the way you walk. You're lit from within, Tracy. You've got fires banked down in you. Hearth fires and holocaust. I... I don't seem to you made of bronze, then. No. You're made of flesh and blood. That's the blank, unholy surprise of it. You're the golden girl, Tracy. Full of life and warmth and delight. And hey, what goes on here? You've got tears in your eyes. Shut up, shut up. Oh, Mike, keep talking, keep talking, talk, will you? No, 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 I've stopped. Why? Has your mind taken hold again, dear Professor? All right, now lay off that Professor stuff, you hear me? Yes, Professor. That's really all I am to you, is it? Of course, Professor. You sure? Come here. What are you, Professor? Are you sure? Yes, of course, I'm, I'm, oh. Tracy. Oh. Golly, golly, Moses. Tracy. Mr. Connor, Mr. Connor. Said, let me tell you something, Tracy. No, don't, all of a sudden I've got the shake. It can't be anything like love, can it? No, no, it mustn't be, it can't. Oh, would it be inconvenient? Terribly. Anyway, I know it isn't. Oh, Mike, we're out of our minds. Right into our hearts. That ought to have music. It does, doesn't it? Oh, Tracy, you're so loud. Oh, it's as if my insteps were melting away. What is it? Have I got feet of clay or something? Tracy. Mike, it's not part of the pool. It's just over the lawn and in the birch grove. It'll be lovely now. Tracy, you're tremendous. Put me in your pocket, Mike. Hello, Max. Oh, well, it's you, Mr. Dexter. Any prowlers around? No, no prowlers, sir. Can I get in this way? Well, if you can't, you can always go in the front, sir. Yes, well, thanks, Max. Good night. Good night, sir. Hey. Is that you, Haven? Well, well, hello, Kittredge. Oh, what are you doing here? Oh, I'm a friend of the family, didn't you know? Just dropped in for a chat. I don't try to be funny. I asked you a question. I could ask you the same question. Well, I telephoned Tracy and her phone didn't answer. I, I was worried, so I walked over from the gatehouse. I was worried, too. About what? Well, uh, what do you think of this fellow Connor? Or do you? Now, listen, if you're trying to insinuate... Oh, my dear chap, I wouldn't insinuate anything, only... Oh. Listen. Who's that? Oh, that? Oh, well, come on. I'll walk you around the house and tell you all about it. Something's going on here and I'm staying. So are you. Why, that... It's that Connor. What's he doing with Tracy? Now, calm yourself. Just He's calm carrying down. her in his arms. He's carrying Tracy. Uh-oh. Don't stop, Mikey. Keep crooning. 
Right here? Okay. Somewhere. Now, what is it? Now, easy, Kittredge. She's not hurt, is she, Connie? No. Not wounded, sir, but dead. Oh, it seems the minute she hit the water, the wine hit her. Now, look here. Yes, a likely story, Connor. What'd you say? I said a likely story. Take her into the house. Now, listen, if you think that it... You'll be down directly? Yes, if you want. I want. Hello, Dexter. Hello, George. Hello, Mike. Second door to the right, Connor. Mind you, don't wake Dinah up. I'll be right back directly. My Peter made a play, made a play. Did you know? Oh, this is horrible. Yes, how are the mighty fallen? <laughs> But if I know Tracy, she won't remember much of this. For the second time in her life, she'll draw quite a tidy blank. Oh? You don't believe it, do you? Believe what? Well, the the implications of what you saw, let us say. Well, what else am I to believe? Well, that's entirely up to you. I've got eyes, I've got imagination, haven't I? I don't know. Have you? Oh, so you pretend not to believe it. Yes, I pretend not to. Then you don't know women. Well, that's possible. Then you're a fool. <laughs> well, that's quite possible. Now, now, you won't be too hard on her, will you? I'll make up my own mind what I'll do. Well, we're all only human, you know. You, all of you, with your sophisticated ideas. Yes, ain't it awful? <laughs> well, I'm back. What do you want to do about it? Why, you low I'll sneaking... take care of this, Kittredge. Oh, please, listen, Haman. This is my affair. What right have you to... A husband. Now, till tomorrow, you can go now, Kittredge. I'll handle the rest of it, too. I'll speak to you tomorrow, Haman. Sure, sure. Well, uh... Oh, hey, Connor, come on, wake up. Come on. How do you feel? Well, now, look, uh, if you think that... I, I know, I know. I'm sorry, but I... I thought I'd better hit you before he did. He's in better shape than I am. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you'll do. Dexter, is there anything wrong, sir? No, not a thing, Mac. Just as quiet as a church. Who, well, who's that lying there? <laughs> That's Mr. Connor, Mac. Oh, doggone. I thought it might have been Mr. Kittredge. Oh, well, now, we can't have everything, Mac. Good night. Uh, good night, sir. With this intermission, you'll hear the third act of The Philadelphia Story. If you've started buying war bonds, perhaps you haven't figured that what you're doing for your country is working out to your own best interests, too. But it is. And there's nothing unpatriotic about the fact that these bonds are a gilt-edge investment, too, as Mrs. Brown here knows. Do you mind Mrs. Brown revealing your personal affairs? No, I don't. Our income is $35 a week. It's quite a sacrifice to put 10% of that into war bonds. But I told my husband that we'll save quite a bit of money. Indeed you will. That's been carefully figured. 10% of $35 is $3.50 a week. 50 cents a day. If you buy stamps and bonds at that rate for five years, you'll have bonds worth at maturity over $1,200. That'll buy you the finest car you ever drove when the war is won. And this is one of the safest investments in the world, isn't it? Yes. These bonds are backed by the entire resources of the United States government. You're going to get back $4 cash for every $3 you put in. That's a lot. Yes, but there are a few people who are thinking up reasons to excuse themselves for not buying these bonds. If you're one of them, your soldiers ask you to stop figuring why you can't buy them and start to find out how you can. Put 10% of your pay every payday into war bonds. Set your mind on victory and buy United States war bonds starting now. Our producer, Mr. DeMille. The curtain rises on the third act of the Philadelphia story. The wedding day has dawned bright and fair, and the events of the wedding eve are a thing of the past, particularly for Tracy. She can't remember anything. 
She can't think of anything. Without propping her eyes open with her fingers, she can't even see anything. To comfort her in this predicament comes the little old comforter, Dinah. How do you feel, Tracy? Oh, fine. You look horrible. I know. Tracy, I hate you to get married and go away. I'll miss you, darling. I'll miss all of you. You know, I had the funniest dream about you last night. Did you? I dreamed I got up and went over to the window. And guess what I dreamed I saw coming out of the woods? I haven't the faintest idea. A skunk? Well, well, sort of. It was Mr. Connor. Mr. Connor? Yes. With his both arms full of something. And guess what it turned out to be? What? You. Me? 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 Mr. Connor was carrying you. Wasn't it funny? It looked sort of like you were coming from the pool. The pool? I'm going crazy. I'm standing here solidly on my own two hands and going crazy. Then what? Then after a while, I opened my door. And there he was in the hall, still coming along with you, puffing like a steam engine. His wind can't be very good. Then what? Well, then he... Yes. I couldn't possibly. Then he just sailed right into your room with you, and that scared me. So I got up and went to your door and peeked in to make sure you were all right. And guess what? What? You were. He was gone by then. <laughs> gone? Of course he was gone. He was never there. I know, Tracy. Well, I should certainly hope you did. It was just a dream. I guess. Tracy, Dexter says so, too. Dexter? Darling, the Lord, you little fiend, if you told Dexter... De- oh, <laughs> Hello. Uh, I'm testing the air. <laughs> I like it, but it isn't like me. Well, hello, Donna. How do you do, Mr. Connor? Did you have a good sleep? Wonderful, wonderful. You? Marvelous. Have you ever seen a handsomer day? Never, never. What did such a bag? I got it for nothing, for being a good girl. Oh. Well, uh, Donna, how are you? Don't worry. I'm going. Why should you? Well, I guess you must have things you wish to discuss. Hmm? Only remember, it's getting late. She's always trying to make situations. Oh. Well. Well, what's the matter with your chin? Oh, uh, what did the children? A little. What happened? Well, I guess I stuck it out too far. Into a door in the dark? Yes, yes, that's it. Well, Tracy, what about you? You all right? Me? Yeah. Oh, of course. Why shouldn't I be? I, I had a simply wonderful evening. I hope you enjoyed it, too. The last part of it. Really? Why, especially the last? Well, uh, Tracy, you, you asking me? Oh, you mean the swim? Uh, yeah. <laughs> we did swim. And yeah. so forth, didn't we? Yes. <laughs> did, uh... Oh, Tracy, darling. Right. Well, what can I say to you? Tell me, darling. Not anything. Don't say anything, and especially not darling. Well, then you're going through with it, huh? Through with what? Through the wedding. Why shouldn't I? Well, you, you said last night that... Oh, I said a lot of things last night, it seems. Okay, no dice. Also, no regrets about last night, huh? Why should I have? Well... You don't know what I mean. I'm asking you. Tell me straight out. Tell me the reason why I should have had... No, don't. Don't tell me anything. All right. <laughs> Doctor's orders. What is it? <laughs> Just the juice of a few flowers. 
It's a type of stinger. Remove the sting. Oh, Dex, don't say that. Well, why not, Red? Nothing will, nothing ever can. Oh, Dex, I've done the most terrible thing to you. To me? Oh, I doubt that. I doubt it very much. Dex, what am I going to do? Why ask me, darling? Where do I come into it anymore? Aren't you confusing me with someone else? A fellow named Kittridge or something. Hmm? George. I've got to tell him. Tell him what, darling? I've got to tell him. Well, if you've got to tell him, he's got to tell him, I suppose. But if he's got any brains at all, he'll have realized by now what a fool he made of himself. When? Last night. Was he here, too? Sure. Good golly, why didn't you sell tickets? <laughs> Say something, Dex. Say anything. No, no, you do. Oh, Dex, I'm such an unholy mess of a girl. Oh, no, that's no good. That's not even conversation. But never in my life. Not if I live to be a hundred will I ever forget how you tried to stand me on my feet again today. <laughs> Go on, you're in great shape. Tell me, uh, what do you think of my wedding present? I'd like my presents at least acknowledged, you know. It was beautiful. Yeah. And sweet sex. Yeah, yeah, she was quite a boat, the true love, wasn't she? Mm. My, she was yaw. She was yaw, all right. I wasn't, was I? <laughs> Not very. Oh, you were good at the bright work, though. I made her shine. Mm-hmm. I'm designing another one now, along more practical lines. What do you call her? I thought the true love second. Dexter, if you call any boat that, I promise you I'll blow you and Ed out of the water. i tell you what you can call her if you like. What, darling? In fond remembrance of me, the easy virtue. Oh, no, shut up, Red. I can't have you thinking things like that about yourself. Well, what am I supposed to think when I... Oh, I don't know. I don't know anything anymore. Oh, well, no. That sounds very hopeful, Red. Hmm, that sounds just fine. Casey, we're almost ready. Stand up, dear. Let me see your dress. Mother, I... Oh, yes, I dear, it's lovely. George will be right over. Oh, here, I forgot. Here's a note he sent you this morning. A note? Good morning, Mr. Donner. Hello, Miss Embry. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, by the way, Dexter, Mr. Sidney Kidd telephoned. I was to tell you that you win. Whatever on earth does that mean? Fine. Well, I have a feeling it won't be so hard for me to resign now. And belts will be worn tighter this winter. Oh, well, Red, I, uh, I'm afraid this is the deadline. So is this. Listen, everybody, it's from George. My dear Tracy, I want you to know that you will always be my friend, that your conduct last night was so shocking to my ideals of womanhood, that my attitude toward you and the prospect of a happy and beautiful life together has been changed materially. <laughs> oh, hello, George. Come and listen. Where's in front of all these people? It's only a letter from a friend. They're my friends, too. Here's the last of it. Your breach of common decency certainly entitles me to a full explanation before going through with our proposed marriage. In the light of day, I am sure that you will agree with me. Yes, George, I quite agree with you. That's all you have to say? What else? On the very eve of your wedding, an affair with another man. Oh, now, wait just a minute. Kettridge, it may interest you to know that this so-called affair consisted of exactly two kisses and a rather late swim. Thanks, Mike, but there's no need to defend... After which I deposited Tracy in a room and promptly returned down here to you two, which doubtless you remember. Doubtless, without a doubt. You you mean to say that was all there was to it? I do. Why? Was I so unattractive, so distant, so forbidding or something that you... Well, this is fine talk, too. I'm asking a question. You were extremely attractive, but you were also a little worse or better for wine, and there are rules about that. Thank you, Mike. I think men are wonderful, the little dears. <laughs> then if it hadn't been for the drink last night, all this might not have happened. Apparently, nothing did. What made you think it had? Well, I'm not going to quibble, Tracy. Let bygones be bygones. Now, what do you say? Yes. And goodbye, George. I don't understand. 
please, goodbye. You're too good for me, George. You're a hundred times too good. But I... And I'd make you most unhappy, most. That is, I'd do my best to. All right. Possibly it's just as well. Yes, I thought you'd finally come to that conclusion. I have a feeling you had more to do with this than anyone. Possibly, but you were a great help. You and your rotten class. Oh, class my eye. You're on your way out, a lot of you. And good riddance. Well, there goes George. Hey, come on, they're waiting for you. Oh, my, faint it on. Well, don't just stand there. You better think of something. Shut that door. Shut the door. Next. Did you see them out there? That welder of faces. My, they look solemn. What in the name of all that's holy am I to do? Tracy. Yes, Mike. Now, look. I got you into this thing, and I'll get you out of it. Will you marry me, Tracy? No, Mike. Thanks, but... Mm-mm. Nope. Why not? Because, because I don't think Liz would like it, and I'm not sure you would, and I'm even a little doubtful about myself. But I am beholden to you, Mike. I'm most beholden. But they're in there. They're waiting. Mike, don't get too conventional all at once, will you? There'll be a reaction. Come on. Cheer up, Red. It'll be all right. You've been gone out of James before. Thank you. Mother, it's all right, dear. Your father will make a very simple announcement. Is there anything special you want me to say, Tracy? No, no, I'll say it. Whatever it is, I'll say it. I won't be got out of anything anymore, thanks. Tell them to stop the music. Tracy, listen. Dex, what can I say? Just open that door and uh, go ahead. I'll prompt you. Ladies and gentlemen. Dex. Well, Dex, Dex. Ladies and gentlemen, two yes. years ago I did you out of a wedding in this house by eloping to Maryland. Two years ago, you were invited to a wedding in this house. And then I did you out of it by eloping to Maryland. Right. Well, Which was very bad manners. Which was very bad manners. But I hope to make it up to you by going through with it now as originally planned. But I hope to make it up to you by... Go- by going beautifully through with it now as originally and most beautifully planned. So, so if you just keep your seat for a minute. So if you just keep your seat a minute. Well, that's all. That's all. Dex, are you sure? Not the least, but I'll risk it, will you? <laughs> you bet. You didn't do it just to soften in the blind? Oh, uh, no, Tracy. You want to say my thing? Oh, it's a nice little face. Oh, Dex, I'll be yawn. Now I'll promise to be yawn. You'll yours. be whatever you like. You're my redhead. Now, are you all set? All set. So, will you be best man, Mike? Honor, TK. Maid of honor, Liz. Matron of honor, remember, Joseph. Oh, how did this ever happen? Well, come on, let's get in there. Ah. See you soon, Red. See you soon, Dex. Tracy, darling. I love you, Father. I love you, too, Tracy. Never in my life have I been so full of love before. Come along. Come along. Wait. How do I look? Like a queen. Like a goddess. And you know how I feel. How? Like a human. Like a human being. applauds the Philadelphia story. And Cary Grant, Catherine Hepburn, James Stewart, and Ruth Hussey. Each contributed time and talent to this radio effort to help win the war. And as we look out on the world tonight, we find that the war has indeed reached a crisis. Jimmy Stewart, I, I mean, uh, Lieutenant Stewart, what's your personal slant on our part in the war? Well, sir, in the Army, we'd like to see everyone stop criticizing our allies in England. So the next time, stop before you talk 
and ask yourself, what have I done that gives me the right to criticize people who fought for three years as bravely as the English? Hmm. You wouldn't... You wouldn't have to bring that up, Jimmy, if everyone realized that above all, the enemy wants to see our side divided. And now, Cary Grant. Well, C.B., if I could visit everyone listening tonight, I'd want to convince them of this one thing, that we've all got to win this war together. And by we, I mean the Russians, the Chinese, the English, and the Americans. You know, a very wise American, Benjamin Franklin, once said... We must all hang together, or assuredly we shall all hang separately. As true today as it was 160 years ago, sir. Now, here's Catherine Hepburn. I think I would like to ask every mother if she's heard of the crime of Lidice. That's the village in Czechoslovakia where every man was killed by the Nazis. I would ask her to imagine a knock at her door tonight. A knock and a door crashing in. A father and his sons dragged out to be shot. The girl and the mother scattered in cruel concentration camps, never to see each other again. I would say to that mother, if our side doesn't win this war, you can cross out the name of Lidice and write in the name of Middletown, USA. That crime will be remembered, Catherine. Miss Ruth Hussey. It must be clear by now to all Americans that you can't compromise with the men responsible for Lidice. But I've heard people say that we'd be better off if we could make peace with Hitler now. Isn't it plain by now that we must win or surrender? And if we surrender, isn't it plain what we can expect? It's too plain. There can be no compromise. There is just one long fight. One united fight, shoulder to shoulder with each other and with our valiant allies. But at the end of the road, there's something worth fighting for. A world where you and your family can live in peace and freedom. Yes, C.B., the world we knew before and will know again. By the way, what is the Victory Theater planning for next week? Well, next week's Victory Theater will come from New York, Carrie. And one of the Columbia Network's most popular programs will take over for the evening. It's Hit Parade with Barry Wood, Joan Edwards, Mark Warno's orchestra, and the Hit Paraders in the leading popular song hits of the week. The same show millions enjoy every Saturday night. It's been a very great privilege for me to have a part on the first Victory Theater program, Mr. DeMille. Good night, sir. Good night, sir. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. This was a brilliant opening night. Good luck, Lieutenant. sponsor, the United States government, joins me in inviting you to listen again next Monday night when the Victory Theater presents The Hit Parade with Barry Wood, Joan Edwards, Mark Warno's orchestra, and The Hit Paraders. This is Cecil B. DeMille saying good night to you from Hollywood. Ladies and gentlemen, the Victory Theater is your theater, a rallying place where you can meet with your fellow Americans and with your government each Monday night. We shall place certain true facts about the war before you each week. We shall ask you to do something about those facts. And on what you do may depend the safety of your home and the lives of those you love. 
The United States government thanks the Columbia Broadcasting System and all who contributed their services to tonight's Victory Theater. Heard in tonight's play were Nicholas Joy as Seth, Janet Beecher as Margaret, Gail Gordon as George, and Leo Cleary, Charles Seal, Norman Field, Verna Felton, Bruce Payne, and Sandra Cole. Our music tonight was directed by Louis Silbert. Your announcer has been John M. Kennedy. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Hey, this is Brian Davis, and you might know me from the Damn Good Movie Memories podcast. And now, get ready for the Bad Beat Show on ThatMetalStation.com from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern every Wednesday night. I'm going to play some kick-ass hard rock inspired by the blues, because after all, the foundation of all things rock and metal is, of course, the blues. So join me every Wednesday night for the Bad Beat, because even when you lose, you still win. We are officially on Spotify now, so if you don't use iTunes, if you don't use the Podbean app, you can go to Spotify and get all of our past episodes. You can stream it on there, so if you're a Spotify user, you can go find Damn Good Movie (laughs) I can't even say my own podcast. Damn Good Movie Memories. Yes, I know what I'm talking about. I'm the host, right? Okay, so go to Spotify, look for Damn Good Movie Memories. You can stream all of that stuff. And yeah, so if you don't want to use iTunes, you don't want to use Podbean, you can use Spotify as well. All right, before we sign off, we do have t-shirts are available for sale. All you have to do is go to tpublic, that's T-E-E-P-U-B-L-I-C.com, and you can get your very own Damn Good Movie Memories t-shirt. You can get all sizes, any gender, you can get whatever you want just at the tip of your fingers. So just go to tpublic.com, look up Damn Good Movie Memories, and you can get your very own t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast and are an iTunes user, please do the show a favor and head on over to the official iTunes page for Damn Good Movie Memories. Be sure to leave a rating and a review. This will allow the show to appear higher in the algorithm and spread the joy of this podcast to the masses. If you are not an iTunes user, you can still listen and subscribe on Podbean at damngoodmoviememories.podbean.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook under our Damn Good Movie Memories page. You can also listen to a limited number of episodes on YouTube. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and be sure to tune in next week for an all new episode of Damn Good Movie Memories. I am Dr. Fuck. And I'm the actual alcoholic. And we are part of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. We are the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. That's right. And the way you can check us out is we are on iTunes and also Podbeam. And we forgot a review recently. I got this review right here. It says right here, it says, Rock and Metal Combat Podcast is the greatest podcast in the world. And it's my number one podcast signed by Science. Now, and then Science also says... Science! Science also said... My second favorite podcast is It Doesn't Matter, The Rest Suck. Rock and Metal Combat Podcast on iTunes and Poppy. Check it out. Science! Are you ready for the hottest new podcast out there? 
check out the Vieira Vault featuring none other than Dr. Fuck Ralph Vieira. You will hear personal stories and personal songs from the vault. There ain't nothing else like it. The one, the only, the original Vieira Vault on Podbean, Stitcher.com, and iTunes. Spreaker. God damn it. Hey, this is Stephen Michael from the Growing Up Rock Podcast. If you're like me and my co-host, Sonny Hollywood Pooney, you grew up loving hard rock and metal music. Check out our podcast where we talk to bands and artists that help create the soundtrack to our lives, along with playing some killer new and old deep tracks of kick-ass guitar-driven rock and roll. Find us wherever you find your podcast to listen to, That's the Growing Up Rock Podcast, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K. And feel free to hit us up at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Growing Up Rock. So sit back and crank it up. 